Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. either listen to that still small voice, sometimes pay attention to that two by four that he has to slam me against the face just to wake me up and get my attention, that I either pay attention to these things or I just go further and further away from growing in my Christian life. When we're truly born again by the Spirit of God, there will be a desire within us both to will and to do is good pleasure. You want an examination of your faith to find out if you're truly born again? Is there a desire in you to do the will of God? Any examination can be unpleasant. Whether it be academic or medical, we may prefer to avoid a test because of its difficulty. In today's message, Pastor David challenges us to willingly accept God's examination of our lives to reveal the state of our faith. Even if you ignore an area of your life that God wants to change, The problem will persist and may even get worse. God alone has the medicine and healing for our souls. Will you follow the prescription of God's truth for your life? Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Joined Together in One Mind. Remember, we've called this study, and we've been through this study for a while. We started out in 1 Corinthians, and now we've gone through 2 Corinthians. We call it a modern church in ancient times. A modern church in ancient times. And the whole reason we did that, the whole thought process on that, is that the situations that were going on in Corinth 2,000 years ago, many of those same situations deal with us today. Is our technology different? Absolutely. I mean, today we have touchscreens. We've got all kinds of stuff today. But back then, that man's, man's situation, the mind and the heart and the soul of man was still the same. And they were dealing with the very same issues that we deal with today. Well, as we come to the end of this book, Second Corinthians, we're coming to the end of chapter 13. Remember that Paul declares some pretty strong statements here. And remember last week we looked at his call to the church that said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith, to test yourselves. And remember, we gave that little test last week. And I got to tell you, I'm glad you guys are back again, okay? I was afraid we might have run some of us off, but we looked at it. It was a hard lesson. Not only was it hard to teach you, but it's hard to live out myself. These are real deal things in our Christian life. How does our Christian life in every aspect of our lives how I, as a husband, treat my wife, how I, as an employer, treat my employees, how I, as an individual within my community, treat the world that's around me. How do I live my life? How do I proclaim the truth of Christ in my life? How am I obedient to the Lord, and am I consistently seeking His lead and direction in my life? These are hard things 
These are difficult things. We went over a number of Scripture passages last week, and they pretty well set a pretty high standard, a pretty high bar for, for everybody as we're walking in our faith. Those that declare to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, and we look at these Scripture passages, and remember, I had you score it like zero to five. Five, you're doing excellent on these things. Zero, you're really crashing and burning on these things. Well, some of you spoke to me following the service last week. Someone said, Pastor, I was afraid to calculate my score. Uh, they were just really worried. One of them says, I know you said to score yourself between zero and five on each of the statements or the scripture, but what happens if you get a negative score? And then uh, another one said, I was, I was really worried that you weren't going to cover grace last week, so desperately needed grace. And don't we all? We all need grace because I'm sure every one of us, as we looked at those things, we saw areas, perhaps many areas, that uh, man, we were falling way short of where we ought to be as believers. But the importance of the test or the examination, it's still there. The necessity for us as believers to, on a, on a regular basis, examine ourselves. See where we're at in the faith. See how, where our uh, race is being run, how well we're running the race, how well we're staying the course. And to be able to deal with those kinds of issues, those kinds of areas in our lives that we know we're, we're still falling way short. Maybe I'm really good in my devotional life, but man, in my interaction with people, I don't do real good. Maybe may, I'm real consistent in, in the fellowship of the saints and in coming together with the body of Christ, but Maybe my devotional life is just almost non-existent. Maybe I follow the Lord in the big things, but there's these little things that day in and day out, uh, no, I don't do that, and no, I don't want to do that, and I kind of create the Christian life in a, in a way and in a form and a fashion that suits me, rather than refocusing my life in a way that focuses and suits what the Lord has for us. All of these things we need to look at. We can't just ignore these things. It's kind of like we went to the doctor and say we went to the doctor and we had an examination. After the examination, the doctor came back to us and he said, hey, listen, there's, there's several issues that we need to address here in your health. Some that are very serious and some that aren't so serious. And yet those things that aren't real serious, they still need to be dealt with because they might become serious. Well, after the examination, after the diagnostics, you determine you're going to ask for a second opinion. We're going to find another doctor. I didn't like his opinion. I'm concerned about his opinion. So you go to another doctor. He runs the same test. Maybe he runs a, a couple of other tests. He comes back to you. His diagnosis remains pretty much the same as the other doctor. He says, you have some serious and some potentially serious issues that need to be dealt with. Well, how do we handle that kind of a situation? Well, one way we could stop going to doctors and say, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to believe what they said. I'm not going to deal with what they said. The second way, you can declare that the doctors really don't understand everything there is, that there's something missing in their diagnosis, and it's probably not nearly as serious as what they say. And so we go on and we still don't deal with the issues. Or we take heed to what the doctor says, we begin to take steps to deal with both the serious issues that we know about as well as those that are potentially serious that could cause problems down the line if we don't deal with it now. My prayer is that all of us, myself included, that we take that third option. 
that we look at these things. We look at what we looked at last week as we went through. What, what is the examination? What is the test? What does it mean to be a believer in Jesus Christ? And if I testify that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, there's areas in my life that I'm missing, that I'm, I'm blowing really bad. And I can either ignore it, pretend it's not there, or I can, as I said, begin dealing with these things and allowing the Lord to work and move in my life. I don't believe that a doctor would tell you these things just because he doesn't like you or just to try and scare you. But a doctor would tell you these things actually because he's concerned about your well-being. He wants to offer assistance in making sure that these certain issues that they're recognized and in an orderly and in a correct and in a prompt manner they're, they're dealt with. So when we look at the Word of God, the Word of God then actually becomes a, a great mirror for us. It reveals to us. It reveals to us at least three things that I see. Number one, it clearly shows us who God is. It shows us His characteristics. It shows us His attributes, His purposes, and His continued desire to interact with His creation. That God Himself, because of His love for us, desires to come and interact in our life. And man, that's a great message throughout the Word of God. The second thing that the Word reveals to us is the Word shows us who we are. We can't read the Word of God for very long and not understand that we all, each one of us, we've got a sinful nature. We've got reprobate minds. We've got a determination to do our own will over the will of God time and time again. We, we find this continued rebellion against the things of God in our natural man and when we slip into that natural man, we can do some pretty bad stuff, even as believers. Well, if this is all that there was to it, then we'd be pretty hopeless. We'd be hopeless wretches. There, uh, without exception, there wouldn't be anything that would ever be able to change us if that's all it was. But the same word speaks that in the midst of our desperate situation, that God offers the potential for reconciliation. And one of the scripture memory verses that we've been working on, Romans 5, 8, you can say it with me, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But you know, that's not the rest of that whole thought. The rest of that whole thought and passage goes on. Listen to it. Still in Romans 5, Paul writes, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received that reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? It means being brought back together. It means that 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 was separated has been drawn back together. It brings me really to the third issue that we, that we find throughout the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we find the encouragement that the Holy Spirit of God can and does work in our lives. Number one, we see who God is. Number two, we see our desperate situation. But number three is the fact that God, through His Holy Spirit, 
works to make all things new. He makes us a new creation in Christ when we come by faith to receive what Christ has offered us through his death, through his sacrifice. He gives us a new heart made of flesh and not of stone. Even the Holy Spirit, though he reveals our sin to us, he also is able to revive us. Although the Holy Spirit reveals our separation in our fellowship with God, he's also the one that restores us into right fellowship with God, that brings about that reconciliation. Well, Paul understood all of these things, and he understood the importance of these things to the church there in Corinth. Because, let's face it, gang, as we've gone through the book of First and Second Corinthians, the church in Corinth was a mess. It was an absolute mess. Not unlike many churches today. And I'd love to say, except Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, but you know what? There's times and seasons and areas that were a mess too. And Paul understood that. And that's why I think the importance of what he says to Corinth is valid for us today. When he says, examine yourselves as to rather you're in the faith to test yourselves. He goes on in there in verse 5 of chapter 13. He says, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? In other words, unless you have missed the mark totally and you're not truly in the faith. He goes on to say there in verse 6, but I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable. Though we may seem disqualified. If you remember in our study here in First and Second Corinthians, Paul is continually having to defend his apostleship, defend his authority there at the church of Corinth. And many have spread the word that, oh, Paul is nothing. Paul is nobody. We are the super apostles as they've come and begun to be those false teachers that came into Corinth. And they were, again, putting Paul down. And so Paul says, hey, you know what? Even if to you we seem disqualified, this is the thing that you need to be doing. You need to be doing what is honorable. With all the issues that Paul had with the Corinthian church, Paul still cared about them. And he still desired God's best for him. He wanted to make certain that even if they didn't believe that Paul and the others were qualified, they at least shouldn't do anything that would disqualify themselves. Now, by way of comparison, we talked for many months now about the church there in Corinth. But by way of a comparison, of, of all the churches that Paul ministered to and wrote words of encouragement and instruction and correction to, the church of Philippi was one of the least amount, one with the least amount of apparent problems. When he wrote the book of Philippians, uh, people said, man, that's like a love letter to the church because again, there's, there's so much that he writes to them, but there's very little, hey man, you guys are messing up here. You're, 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 you're blowing it here. You're, you're off track here. Uh, again, he writes to them with no major correction. That's a lot different than the churches here in Corinth. The church in Philippi, they, they proved themselves. They proved that they were qualified as believers over and over, even though Paul wasn't there. Paul, even in his absence, had heard good things about the church of Philippi. In comparison, he had heard all these bad things about the church there in Corinth. Listen to what Paul says to the church 
in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes in verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, that he's telling them to look at their lives, examine their lives, but he says it in a whole different way than what he does to the Corinthians. He's saying, yeah, I, I believe you're saved. But man, you, you need to continue to exercise. You need to continue to, to work. Not, not working in order to gain salvation, but you need to work in the midst of your salvation. Just as he tells the Ephesian church, yeah, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, so that no man can boast. But he also says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to sit on our laurels and do nothing. Is that what it says? No, no. We are created to do good works. And so he says, you you Philippians there, man, you, you proved yourself over and over. Now continue to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. Not that he was afraid that they would lose their salvation, but this was just an encouragement in the midst of all that they were going to. Paul, he, he, even, even for them, even there in Philippi, Paul wanted to make certain that they understood that it wasn't a power in and of themselves, but it was the power of God working in them. Because in that same verse there, or the next verse there in Philippians 2, he tells the church of Philippi, that it's God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's true for the church of Philippi, true for the church in Corinth, and yet true for the church of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande. That it's God that works in us to do his good will, to do his good pleasure. It's not my own desire to do these things. No, it's the Holy Spirit of God working in me, drawing me to do the right things. And I either listen to that still small voice, sometimes pay attention to that two-by-four that he has to slam me against the face just to wake me up and get my attention, that I either pay attention to these things or I just go further and further away from growing in my Christian life. When we're truly born again by the Spirit of God, there will be a desire within us both to will and to do his good pleasure. You want an examination of your faith to find out if you're truly born again? Is there a desire in you to do the will of God? That's pretty cut and dry. Is there a desire in you that your life would be lived for his good pleasure? I'm not saying we don't stumble and fall. I understand that. Believe me, I understand that. But the fact is, is is there an overriding desire to do his good pleasure? Isn't this the fullness of the test? To know rather or not we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Even as he tells the church there in Romans chapter 8, he says, the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Is there that connection within you? Or are you trying to live this Christian life on your own? You're just trying to tough through the thing and do the right thing all the time. Or is there something within you that draws you to it, even in the midst of failures, even in the midst of struggles, that you're being drawn to follow the Lord? 
if we are the children of God, there is an actual ongoing work of God's Holy Spirit within us, guiding, directing, reproving, and correcting our lives. Now, we don't always pay heed to that voice. But God still calls for the prodigal to return. Amen. How many of you know what a prodigal looks like face to face? Been there, done that. See, see, see that guy in the mirror many times. The great thing about that is when finally that prodigal says he came to himself, he realized, wow, I, I've blown this so much. And he turned back to the father. And I love how Jesus gives in that parable. He says, when the father saw that he was coming back, the father ran to him. And beloved, that's the picture that we have of a God of reconciliation. He wants it to come back together. He doesn't stand off back in the back and say, prove to me, prove to me. When he sees a heart, he says, Lord, I've blown it. I just want to serve you. I want to be with you. He's the one that reaches out and draws us in because it's him that works within us to do his will and to do his good pleasure. Moving on. Paul wanted to be certain that the Corinthians did nothing that would hinder or mute that still small voice within them. He says, do no evil. Do what is honorable. In essence, he's telling them, even if you feel that we ourselves are disqualified or don't have the authority, you need to be found faithful with ongoing evidence of your true salvation. Let me stop right here and let me go off notes for a moment. We can read on almost a regular basis, a way too regular basis. Mature Christian men and women, church leaders, both men and women, pastors, assistant pastors, those in, in authority within the church, we read all too often where they crash and burn. And all too often we also read the fact that after they crash and burn, Churches get destroyed. They just split. They, they fall all apart. You know the problem with that is? The church is looking at a man rather than at the Lord. I've been in two churches that have gone that way. And, and man, I've seen the destruction of that. Paul is saying, even if you feel that I'm disqualified, even if you feel that I'm nothing, you need to be walking in a way that brings honor and glory to God. That's the word, and that's the call to each one of us. Not because any man says so, not because the leadership encourages you to, but because the word of God de declares that we need to be that way, and because God has called us to himself to be that way. Okay, so back again to the notes. As frustrated as I believe that Paul was about Corinth's rejection, about their doubt of his authority, their, their doubt of his calling, Paul's greatest concern for that body of believers is that they would continue to be strong in the faith. Regardless of what they thought about Paul, he wanted them to be strong in the faith because his heart was for them. His heart was for them to grow and to be strengthened in Christ, to live their lives in accordance with their position as children of God, in their position and then their place as the bride of Christ.
2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in. Being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.